So we decided to remove bonuses. So that that is, you know, something that I'm on a mission on, and 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 uh, for myself as well. So commissions for the sales teams, but also management bonuses. Welcome to the podcast B two B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hello, my name is Fredrik Skanse, CEO and co-founder of Funnel and you are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Frederick. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. It's great to have you here. And the first question from my end always is, what does your company, Funnel, do? Please, do the elevator pitch. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, you know, the big trend in, in our industry is that marketing, digital marketing has suddenly become marketing. Over 70% of the big advertising budgets are online. It's measurable for the first time. Marketing, became, marketing can be accountable for driving revenue, which is great for marketing, but it requires you to have the infrastructure in place to be able to measure. And that's what Funnel helps marketing organizations to do, to measure their marketing performance. And if we go one layer deeper here, just talking about your core customers, who would you say, if you listen to this podcast and I think, hmm, that sounds interesting, who are you most appealing to? Yeah, so if you had asked me that sort of six years ago when uh, or seven years ago when we started building Funnel, um, it would have been primarily e-commerce companies, you know, gaming app companies that cared about digital marketing performance, media agencies uh, that helped them, uh, and everybody else was sort of dabbling. Um, but now it's really every company, uh, marketing department in every company, every vertical that you can possibly think of, I think, yeah. Yeah, a great total market. Yes, it's, the market for what we do has grown a lot. And it's sort of grown along two parameters. One is that it's suddenly any type of company, so many more types of companies. The other thing that we really help companies is, is with the complexity of their data. And what drives that more than anything else is how many marketing products are you using? And that's also exploding. So... Two years ago, there were 7,500 marketing products, and now there are 10,000, right? So it's, it's really um, driving a lot of complexity. And this leads me, you're already tapping into it, Frederick, with six years ago. Why funnel? How did you end up with that idea and business? Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, both myself and my co-founder, Pedamada, we had... Um, extensive experience in an early experience in digital marketing. Um, I'd built an e-commerce company in London and, and Bellamata had, had um, been an uh, early employee at the next generation digital marketing agency focused on these big uh, new platforms like Google and, and Facebook. And uh, so we kind of knew the space really well. We knew it was growing a lot. Um, we knew there were lots of tools that helped advertisers um, make ads and optimize ads but when it came to really understanding how you're doing sort of the PL of your marketing 
everybody was sitting with a spreadsheet. So my e-commerce company, we had a spreadsheet, a spreadsheet per market, um, in, in the digital marketing agency, they had a spreadsheet per customer, right? And um, we thought that is something that's worth addressing and we couldn't find a solution that existed for it. So that's when we started to build Funnel. Nice. And now you are growing faster than faster. And uh, b- before we talk about leadership and KPIs and some classic questions that I think you should have in a SaaS podcast, I want to throw in this quite new question because uh, I-, I don't want to be so boring. So I want to know now, Fredrik, what is a fun fact about yourself that mo- most people don't know about? <laughs> well, so I I have always enjoyed working at the cutting edge of technology. You know, I, I actually worked uh, 25 years ago in AI and robotics. And then, you know, I moved to Silicon Valley and I worked with mobile internet, uh, the first versions of it and, and now data and, and, uh, but, but, uh, and I, I surround myself with people who love new technology. Uh, but, but given that I'm actually a relatively late adopter of technology myself for personal productivity use. Uh, I don't have an Apple watch, you know, I just bought my first, uh, Apple AirPods and, um, oh. so yeah, <laughs> I like things to work quite well when they're in third generation, then I'll, I'll, I'll consider buying it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that is an interesting and fun fact. So you are as a, uh, on some personal level, you are a late adopter. Yeah. Or at least sort of mainstream. I'm, I'm certainly not bleeding edge. No, but it may, maybe then like, what, what do you say? Late majority? Yeah. Something early majority, late majority, but not not early, not not early adopter. But when I build technology, I'm at the very forefront of what I do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing. So now it's time for the segment where I let the community, I lend my voice to the community. So the first external question is from Andreas Bengtsson at Digiview, and they are actually a funnel partner. They are partner to you in, in your program, and this is. Andreas question. Hi Frederick. During the last couple of years, companies have been impacted by more strict privacy and data regulations, affecting the ability for companies to track conversions and measuring the true impact of their marketing. How do you think the landscape will evolve going forward? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so I think it'll just continue. I think, you know, driven by the European Union, but then also now the U.S. has initiatives to adopt their own privacy legislation and there is crackdown on on uh, what's being done and measured. So I think it will continue. Um, you know, the big trend is that it is harder to measure. The big trend is that it's um, it's really hard to leverage third party data. You have to sort of then leverage first party data. Um, it probably mostly favors the big properties that have a lot of login information and first party data. So if you are really, really big, it probably will help you more. And, and so the really large um, advertising networks will, will benefit. Um, but then interestingly enough, we're also seeing some fragmentation as more sort of pop up doing new strategies. So uh, it might be healthy as well. Um, and, and probably we have to shift a little bit from the deterministic I know and I can follow to more statistical analysis. That would be, which is very much harder. Andreas, thank you for your question. I hope you are happy with that answer. So now it's time to talk about leadership. And uh, my first question here is, what is the worst thing about being a leader? 
the worst, I would say one, one thing about leadership is that you have to um, take a step back. Uh, you have to um, provide direction, uh, you have to provide leadership, uh, you have to see the big picture, you have to make sure things work together, you have to, um, you know, do the blocking and tackling and, and remove sort of obstacles and friction. Uh, and you cannot spend so much time going into the details, working out detailed things. And you have to, so you, you know, you cannot be in the in the woodworks anymore. Um, that's you know, which which is something you you've maybe used to and, and and were good at, and so you have to take that step back and sort of lift up others and, and enable them to do that work. Um, Would you say, Fredrik, this is because you are at heart an entrepreneur that started actually funnel, and, and you, you are so used to before to be hands on more? Is, is that an aspect of? Yeah, to, to some extent, you know, I, I think uh, I, I certainly enjoyed, you know, also right being really part of, you know driving that product to product market fit and really understanding every user and stuff. And now you have to take a step back and, you know, uh, and, and as the company grows, things move a little bit slower, but at the same time they move, the impact is much larger. So, yeah. And if we then shift angle to the positive aspect, what would you say you like the most about being a leader then? So I think one great thing about being a leader and building a, a large team. And so in the funnel, we're now um, close to 400 people. Um, is that if you really hire great people and you uh, enable them to work together and you point them in a direction towards your vision, it's quite incredible um, the things can that can happen, that you can actually get so much more done than you could yourself or, or with a small team. Um, I think that's truly rewarding. I think it's fantastic to start to see that a lot of things happen without you. <laughs> you don't have to be the initiator of everything, but good things happen in the organization. And then I would say just one final thing about the, about leadership and, and, and growing a company. I think that I think it's really rewarding. So funnel now seven eight years. We did another product a little bit before. So company is about ten years, uh, eleven years. Um, so we have some people who joined then might have been their first job um, and they're still with funnel you know 10 11 12 years later they've had their entire career at funnel and just seeing them grow um, has been incredibly rewarding and especially those that you know we took a chance on people didn't maybe necessarily come from a traditional background or um, it maybe didn't have a university degree and you know and they we, we believed in them and they've really grown and had a career that they maybe wouldn't have had somewhere else uh, at the same level. And, you know, we made a real impact on their life. And I think that's that's been really rewarding. Th those stories are amazing. And uh, here now I want to dive a bit deeper here, Ferrik, before we leave the leadership topic, because you have told me what you think is the worst thing, what you think is the best thing about being a leader. What is your greatest strength? as a leader so i maybe can copy it and the listeners can copy it if we think it makes sense for us so Fred, what would you say yourself or people around you are saying to you that this is your greatest strength as a leader that's a good question let me start by saying that i think that you as a leader have to be authentic and um so you have to find your own strength and your own leadership style 
and um, that may well be different for different people. So I think that's that's a, a start, right? So okay. So then, what do I think are my strengths? So I think I have empathy. Um, you know, I think I I, I perceived as understanding when people come with problems, helping solve them, and um, you know, just creating a, a place to work where people enjoy being. Um, I think that I can see the big picture and where we should head um, and where the big opportunities are and sort of can sort of corral and rally the, the company around that and a, and a, and a common vision and, and mission. Um, and I think I am, you know, for being an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs often don't see just one opportunity, but they see many opportunities and they might see new opportunities all the time. I, I think I'm pretty good at, at at focusing and staying focused and staying consistent um, so that the team has time to work through things and the direction that we're going isn't changing all the time. And the last thing you said, I just want to, to share something that you, I and uh, Camilla from Breakit discussed at, uh, at their event where we do, uh, both me and Camilla f- uh, think, uh, thought it was really inspiring with you that you have founded a company and led it early, but you are still leading it and, and has grown with it. And that is, yeah, like you say, hard for some entrepreneurs to stay focused. So hats off to you in this, in this area. Thanks. We move on to the new segment, a topic of your choice, because I want to hear you talk a few minutes about something that you are nerdy and really passionate about. So it's time for Frederick's topic of choice. Um, so one of the things that we are, that we are big on is culture and core to our culture is teamwork and collaboration. And, uh, you know, three years ago, we felt there was a real mismatch between that and, and bonuses and commissions. Um, and, um, uh, because we felt it made people who had bonuses and commissions very sort of individualistically focused on that and especially in the sales teams um so we decided so, so we decided to remove bonuses so that that is you know something that i'm on a mission on and 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 uh, for myself as well so took away management commission or we took, took away commissions for the sales teams but also management bonuses um and and just just to have everybody aligned you know with the right thing. And we, we, you know, we have everybody in our company has, has equity compensation. So long-term everybody's aligned with the success of the company. Um, but, it, but it's for the, it's for the long-term success. So that's something I'm very passionate about. I, I feel, um, you know, when we, when we study the literature, um, the literature is very clear that, that bonuses and commissions are conditional rewards. Conditional rewards are, good at improving simple tasks, but selling software is quite complex and cognitively demanding. <laughs> and the, what the research says is that uh, conditional rewards uh, have negative impact on cognitive demanding tasks. So there's a real mismatch between what science says and what companies do. And it's pretty much every software company in the world is sort of like, it's just the way you do it. Um, and um, 
you know that so i thought that that's really interesting and and we we have in the company removed bonuses um and um, you know people told us can't do it um the sales performance will go down the best sales people will leave you won't be able to hire good sales people the ones who stay won't sell and uh, none of that happened nobody left people sold really well people loved to stay and we hire great sales people and they for the first time act as a team sell together share leads lots of great things so that's uh that's something that I, I feel passionate about. I, I do uh, occasionally speak about <laughs> at conferences, um, but we're still we're still very alone doing it. No, no, no. Everybody else still has commissions, <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, I it's just how we do things, and it's worked really well for us for our, our culture. I hope that you maybe would show this because I heard you talk about this one time before, or maybe it wasn't in an article. But I, I know that I heard or read it when you said it. Uh, so, so I'm really glad that you chose this topic. Uh, thank you for 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 you. And I just quickly want to go one layer deeper in value giving. Can you please, uh, for for a founder like myself and a lot of founders out there that will hear this or see this on LinkedIn, etc. What would you say is a short playbook or best practices uh, to test shoot this idea and to get people with you? So first of all, I think you have to think it through very carefully. It has to be very important to you to do this because it's a big change and it's a risky change. Um, and then I think you have to be really confident when you do it. Um, and you have to work it through with your sales leadership and with your sales managers and then ultimately with your entire sales team and talk through the logic behind it and i think the big thing here is that and and that's to us very important is that you know we're not trying to pay the sales team less we're not doing this to save money it's not like we're removing the pay for commissions we're we're saying you will get paid your on target commission every month right so we as a company we trust you um, that you are a good salesperson you mean well you're going to try to perform well uh, and so we'll pay you every month now some salespeople, and especially sometimes good salespeople, think think they can overachieve on the targets and you know so there's a discussion around that um, but when most think about it you know it's a huge difference between having something guaranteed every month compared to having the worry, um, constant worry about it. And uh, I think that's where, where our salespeople landed. And so it's equally part of that the company has to trust uh, its salespeople. And, um, and you do maybe have to put in a little more work with your salespeople. I mean, a sales team can be, a field sales team can be quite self-managing. You give them a territory uh, and then you give them a, a pay that's almost all commission and then you set them free and they manage themselves here you actually have to work more on it um, but um, you should do that anyway and you should try to sort of have more teamwork anyway so that that's what i would say uh, thank you thank you great insights so now it's time for external question number two from Rickard kramer at metric and his question is this hi frederick so what are your best and most concrete practices for managing and measuring salespeople and sales teams in a remote setup? Yeah, so that's a good question. So when it comes to a core sales team, 
uh, when it comes to measuring them, I think most SaaS companies are quite well set up right? because you have commission model, you know, you pay commission, and uh, so you measure, you know, what what they close. If it's a sales development team, you know, maybe you have to measure something earlier, but in the end, it you, you're still measuring them on what what sort of lead flow they can generate. So I think the measurement, I, I think. Seems to me it should work relatively well. Um, remote seem, does for us. Um, the management part is interesting. Um, I mean, I, I think we strive to build sales teams <laughs> with a focus on teams. So we're not fully remote, we're hybrid. So, so our teams spend time together, but they also spend time remote. And um, so, you know, things like having um, daily stand-ups, which you can do remote, um, and uh, deal reviews where uh, where uh, team members help review each other. So you kind of get that teamwork. Uh, co-selling uh, has worked really well for us, um, where people work together on deals, um, and, and sort of get, get that teamwork really working. And then um, I, I think you automatically get much more engagement and you have to measure less and and um, manage less because the team manages itself a little bit and holds itself accountable. The the other thing we have done is uh, uh, set team goals uh, for uh, sales. Um, so th- there is a individual goal. Like salespeople, our sales team want, want an individual goal so they understand how they are performing. But but they very much work towards a team goal. And again, then they hold each other accountable, and that works really well. Uh, then you, you as a manager don't have to do as much of that. Nice. Rickard, thank you for the question. And Fredrik, uh, I, I hope that Rickard <laughs> likes your answer because we need to move on now to talk hard numbers. We have entered the field of KPIs. Which three or three to five KPIs are the, like really the most serious for you at Funnel? Yeah, that's a good question. So the 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 one that we really hold ourselves to uh, is net new MRR every month, um, and then uh, sort of really top of mind is one uh, payback time, which is sort of ties to sales efficiency, and then the other one is churn. Um, and um, so those would be sort of hard numbers, and then a little softer would be customer satisfaction score and uh, employee satisfaction scores. Three hearts, two more softer. And the, the follow-on question here, uh, when I now know what you, and I, it's good that I'm cutting my podcast myself so I can learn and listen again, like, mm, okay. How do you work with this together, Fredrik? What, what do you use as a system or framework to really work smoothly with the right KPIs and focus and connect everything in the company towards that? It's a good question. So at the moment, we do not use a system like OKRs. Um, we occasionally talk about it and could be at some point we use a system like that or not. Um, we um, the, the sort of our the way we operate is we, we, we have a strategy that we've set with objectives that we want to achieve. Is that Yearly or free? Uh, how, yeah, I mean, it has a longer view than the year, but it's it's revised uh, at least yearly, sometimes six months. Um, and uh, out of that then flows a product strategy, go-to-market strategy, um, and, and sort of operational and financial strategy. Um, and then based on that, um, each member of the management team build their operating 
plans for on a, on a sort of quarterly basis on a well quarterly operating plans on a rolling 12 month basis um, and then we um, every quarter get together to talk them through um, talk through how last quarter went and what's planned for next quarter and a little bit for the rest of the year um, and we find that working really well. And then it's really up to the management team members how they then want to run their teams and, and sort of drive this down. But there is a lot of use of measurement and KPIs within the different departments, but in different ways. Nice. Thank you for sharing. The great stuff. I, I learned so much here. I think I've gotten what I, uh, what I wanted regarding your core KPIs and your framework. And this leads me and this episode into the roundup with just a few questions left, Fredrik. Always when we're entering the roundup, I have my VAM-oriented question because this is I'm building a sales tool with the core video. So I want to collect data points now. What would you say is the best way to do a cold outreach to you, Fredrik? If you don't know me, never heard about my company, how would you, in a modern way, get, like to get approach from cold into getting you into a meeting? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think just reaching out cold with a with an email or a, or a phone call almost never works. Um, so I think the, the way to do it is to have a coordinated effort across the go-to-market organization uh, where, you know, marketing does their best to sort of create thought leadership and sort of warm, warm it up a little bit so that you have some notion of what, what this company does and that it's an important space. Um, and then, I, you know, I'm a big believer at sort of um, helping rather than interrupting. And so, you know, if you, if you then share, th share things that are useful to your, to your um, might be great content or stuff you've done or, or something that you share, it's less about initially selling a product, but sparking an interest for your company and for, for, for the category that you're in. Um, and then I think it is very effective when you, when you do a little bit of a campaign towards a company so that you reach out to more than one person and it, you may spark a dialogue in that company about that space. Um, that, that seems to me to work well. And then after that, then I can get you into a meeting then, but I have that plan. Yeah, we're moving on to the last external question. And this is from Alexandra Skagerholm at Saplify. And this is normally partly like the question I have in the roundup, but that's why I put it here in the roundup, because this is her question. Hi, Fredrik. Looking back, is there anything you would have done differently at the beginning of your career or something you would advise people like me who are at the beginning of their career to do? It's a good question. Um... So, I mean, I, I, I spent the beginning of my career at relatively large companies. Um, uh, I think I always was interested in entrepreneurship and technology and innovation, um, and especially really large companies, I don't find are conducive to that, right? So I think I, I, would, have, I would have done better spending time at smaller companies early in my career. And I went from relatively large company into starting a company. Um, and... Um, so I, I think that, that that's that's something I, I would have done slightly differently. Um, you, you learn process at large companies and you learn there are good things you learn. But 
So you, you so you've got to you got to find the right balance between those. And uh, if you go really early stage, the the, the chances are a company isn't well known, company actually isn't doing well. You, then you have to really be able you have to watch out for that and be willing to change jobs maybe if if things don't work out. But you know, but a company with with 150, 200, 250 employees that's growing fast, you know, typically has something to it. You can learn quite a lot, and and um, you know that that I think would would have been helpful. Alexandra, I hope you liked that answer, Fredrik. Thanks for sharing. And you who heard this, yeah, if if you are in this first search to funnel, they are growing. <laughs> yes. shout, shout out from an employee branding perspective. So, Fredrik, this is the second last question now. Which one to two? other B2B socios in Sweden, in Europe, the Nordics, are you inspired by and would like to listen to in an interview like this in my podcast? I find, from my perspective, I find it most interesting to listen to people who are a couple of years ahead of us, right? So we're 400 people. So people who are getting up to 800, 900,000 people. Um, there aren't that many SaaS companies like that in um in Stockholm, there are some and, and companies who've entered the public market. So, you know, I think th- those type of companies, I think, w- are, are, are really interesting. And do you have a do you have one or two names for me? So it's, a, it's um, a... I, you know, I think that there are there are more traditional uh, sort of software companies, SaaS companies that, like you have this Meyer Fort Knox, which is quite interesting and usually actually not so lifted in into the sort of uh, SaaS community because um, they, they're public and been around for a while. You have new, new public companies, a set of companies that are looking to go public, like Trusty, that are interesting. Um, yeah, so I, I think that, that those type of companies that have gotten quite far. The CEOs of Visma, Fort Knox, and Trustly, then I'm going for a hunt. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and the very last question, uh, Fredrik, before we are uh, checking out for this time. This, 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 I hope now for an inspirational answer, the big, bold answer. Where will Funnel be in five years? Our goal with Funnel is to build a category-defining SaaS company head, headquartered out of Stockholm. We, we feel like the market we are in is global. It's a really large market. It's a big opportunity. We have competitors, but we don't have that many competitors. We, we have a leading position. Uh, we feel like we can, and we are growing relatively quickly. Um, so we feel like we can kind of keep going and growing and build a really large SaaS company um, uh, and a standalone sort of SaaS company. I think Sweden would do well from having more of those. Um, I think it's a little bit unfortunate that many breakout technology companies out of Sweden and end up being acquired. Um, like iSettle or, or um, King.com and so on. Um, and how much, w- what is that in concrete terms in like ARR or something? How, uh, where are you in five years when you are? I think we, we you know, we were well over a hundred million dollars in ARR. Um, nice. Much bigger than that. And, and one of our aspirations is to take the company public on Nasdaq in Stockholm. And, you know, so we'll hopefully, hopefully be a public company by then as well. So, Fredrik, thank you. And uh, before I'm thanking you, I, I want just to say to you who listen, uh, if you like what you heard and got value, please press the subscription button and uh, tell a friend or a colleague, listen to Fredrik in B2B SaaS CEOs. And Fredrik, a huge thank you for putting aside 
30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Great. Thanks, Joseph. Happy to be here.